Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Welcome to episode 99.5 of the Readerly Report. So today was going to be our 100th episode show, and we have been working very diligently on coming up with the 100 books that we have liked the best since the beginning of our podcast. And we just didn't quite make it. (laughs) (laughs) Life. (laughs) Life. So now we have episode 99.5. We're going to share a couple of backlist books that we love, some literary news, and then we're going to shame ourselves a little bit and share with you the books that we have most wanted to read. Gail limited us to the last two years that we've been saying that we're going to read that we have not read yet. So maybe in the next six months or hopefully within the next hundred episodes, we will have read at least one or two of these books. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. These are books that are like lingering on our shelves. And every time you see it, you're like, oh, yeah, I really want to read that. And then right. it keeps getting passed over for some reason. And Gail and I bounce these back and forth because she'll mention something and I'll be like, oh, I really wanted to read that. I feel like I say that at least once a month, at right. least once every four episodes, probably a little bit more. There's something that I wanted to read. And we get distracted by shiny object syndrome. So. It's like, if you don't read these right when they come out, then like new stuff's always coming out and we're like, you know, right. it gets Shiny Object Syndrome, book club book. Right. Book club books, challenge books, whatever it is. Can I tell you guys something? Yes. I don't know if I told you this, Gail, but I read one book in September. You know. It was our book club book. Life happens. I don't know if that's ever happened to me before. Life happens. Like it just happens. And it doesn't mean anything more than you just had a lot going on. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it. I looked and I was shocked. (laughs) Well, you know, I just... I've been reading Patsy for like two months. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Seriously, it happens. And you just have to be patient with yourself and know that you've got a lot going on. And there will be months where you... The pendulum swings back. Right. That's true. January, I usually read 20. Yeah. Oh my God. That's a lot. (laughs) probably won't happen this January. (laughs) How's your bookish life been since I've shared? I mean, I'm not, I'm not in a slump. I'm actually reading, but I'm literally like maybe getting to read a page or two and then I won't get to read for a few days. And then it's like another page. You know, this is a good week example of a similar week for me. I'm still reading three women, which is not that long of a book. Life has gotten busy. The gnats are in the playoffs. I've been, that's been taking up my nights And I just haven't had much time to sit down for uninterrupted periods of time and read. I am still reading Three Women. I'm almost done. And I did finish an audio and start a new audio. I think I've actually already talked about them both. I I finished The New Me by Howley Butler. Did we talk about that already? I think I did. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm now about a third of the way through The Dearly Beloved by um, Cara Wall. Cara Wall. I'm not sure how to say her name. And um, I'm doing that one on audio. Last week, I said, I really want to read that. (laughs) I do really want to read that. I'm already preparing for our our next show where we share the five books that we've said we would read and didn't. Yeah. The Dearly Beloved will be on it. We'll be on it. Yeah. 
So yeah, I don't have too many reading updates, so don't feel bad. This we'll keep the balance here. I'm I won't discuss anything new either. Okay. And it's so funny because you say this, things come up, and you talked about the Nats, and I'm eyeing the football schedule as we. I'm like, what's the game tonight? In terms of literary news, I'm so excited. Even though I did not finish Americana, Lupita Nyong'o has had that. She optioned the book and has been developing the book apparently since it came out. Americana came out in 2013, and she's adapting it into a miniseries. So she, over the weekend, she was in the New York Times. She did the buy the book, and she talked about 12 Years a Slave and filming 12 Years a Slave because she was doing something so deep and disturbing that she read Fifty Shades of Grey as her guilty pleasure, just like moment of light levity book while she was filming that. But so she's also talking about Americana and, and the process, you know, cause we hear about these books going into production. I feel like I've been hearing about Carrie Washington and Reese Witherspoon doing this less ing novel for the long, a long time. So these things take time. Yeah. So anyway, she mentioned in this behind the book that they are now at the point where, where they are ready to start, filming so that's exciting oh that is exciting so that probably that probably means within another year and a half or so maybe we maybe we will see that and i know on a another episode i told you that i'm breathlessly waiting for dublin murders which is the adaption that they're doing of tana french's books Mm. the dublin murder squad books that are coming to stars so they're going to be airing in november i'm really excited about that nice I'm going to jump into these five books that we each want to commit to and, 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 you know, or recommit to, I guess, re resurface, bump up the list, maybe by talking about them, that will force us to read them. And then we're also going to include at the end, a backlist book that we've both read. But for now, um, we each have five and why don't we just say what the book is a little bit about it and why we want to read it. Since we haven't read it yet. Okay. I really want to read Cartwheel by Jennifer Dubois. This is her book that is loosely based on the Amanda Knox case. I think she sets it with college students in Buenos Aires as opposed to Italy. And I have been wanting to read this forever. I just tried to read her last book, The Spectators, that came out. And I just found her writing. It was totally inaccessible. Like the language was so... Yes, erudite, I would say. It was just so tough to read. Like I was reading stuff and just not understanding anything and it wasn't gripping me. So I'm hoping that this one is a little less intense. I was reading some reviews and it seems like a lot of people thought that maybe they had read it too close to the Amanda Knox case. So I didn't really follow that case too much. I know the basic outlines of it. Malcolm Gladwell talks about it a lot in his new book which I had been reading before I stopped reading, talking to strangers. So yeah, so I'm excited to read that for that reason. And really, really hoping for sooner rather than later with this. Okay. My first pick is The Ensemble by, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Aja Gable. Um, The first name is A-J-A. And this is Mm -hmm. the story of four musicians who form a quartet. They started out in school together and they've been together for a long time. And 
It's basically like the forefriend or the family novel, but it's just has a slightly different context. In this case, that they're all musicians who have worked together. I've, I keep hearing people say, oh, the Tara Conklin book that I read, that they'll be like, oh, it's just like the ensemble. Like a lot of people compare it to other books that I really enjoy, like books that follow four people, mm. almost also maybe a little bit like the Elizabeth Ames book, The Other's Gold. This gets compared a lot. And I think I, I think I bought this. He bought this for my mother for her birthday or something. And so I now have it because I think she re- she gave it to me or maybe I swapped for it. I can't remember now. It has a beautiful cover with flowers on it. And I just, I really want to read this. I've heard really good things about it. They're always tied to each other by career, the intensity of their art, the secrets they carry by choosing one another over and over. <laughs> like, do you ever go and see a band or see an ensemble and wonder like, what's the backstory here? Like who likes who, who doesn't like who, who's annoying, who's hard to work with? Who's hooked up? I always do. Not really. I don't know if I'm as, a, as much of a band person. I love pop divas. <laughs> That's funny. And dance music. I'm definitely a band person. <laughs> I mean, the last concerts I saw were Celine Dion, Jennifer Lopez, and Beyonce. Interesting. So you're more so, interested in the individual, and I'm much more interested in the ensemble. No, I don't wonder. Even though I guess you could wonder that with Jennifer Lopez, because sometimes she's hooking up with one of her dancers. True. <laughs> And I'm sure that changes the dynamic. Yeah. That's so interesting. But, yeah. Know, not, not not recently since she's with A-Rod now. And yeah. They're making it official. Yeah. Okay. What's your next one? It is one that you don't like. It is the one that I just mentioned. They're making a movie out of it. And I want to read it. I probably want to read it. You know, I want to read it when it first came out in 2017. And I'm interested. I want to be able to compare it to the movie. So it's Little Fires Everywhere. Mm. I don't think I need to say too much about it. You know, I want to read it because it was something I was interested in. Gail has talked so much about her feelings for it that I'm interested in doing a comparison. At some point, it's going to be a series with Carrie Washington and Reese Witherspoons. Yeah, I think you should read it. For sure. I, yes, did not like that book that much, but it's like almost like cultural currency at this point. Like, I think you definitely should read it. And maybe you'll really like it. Here's hoping. Yeah, I I commend that choice. Okay, so my next one, this book is everywhere, and it has very broad reach. It's The Tattooist of Auschwitz by Heather Morris. And I don't mind World War II fiction. I find books that are actually set in the camps really difficult to read. I think it's growing up with as much kind of Holocaust education as I've had. There's like at Hebrew school or through... Just growing up Jewish in the United States in the 80s, 90s, like a lot, a lot of attention paid to Holocaust as well as, as well there should be. And I feel like sometimes with Holocaust movies or books, I watch them and then they stay with me for so long in such a very upsetting and horrifying way. And I mean, it makes sense. It was an absolutely horrifying and awful experience and as well it should. But I, fi- I just find it a little hard sometimes to separate myself from them. So I don't know why I put this one on my list. I think I swapped for it because I have it sitting here. But people said it was really good. And the premise of it is that there's someone who is in the camps. And when the Nazis discover that he speaks a lot of languages, they pull him aside and use him to tattoo the numbers onto the prisoner's arms, which is something that happened to people when they got to the concentration camps, they would have a number tattooed onto their arm. 
And um, he, so he is saved, but he sees all these people kind of on their way to their deaths. And then I guess there's a woman that he meets and he's decided he wants to, like, he's determined to save her and him and that they'll be together after the war. So, I mean, I think that there's maybe some predictability about this one. And um, the fact that it has such broad appeal suggests to me that there's probably some, something to it that softens it a little bit, but at some point I'm going to like steal my nerves enough to read it. I just don't know when. Yeah. So stay tuned. Yeah. The next book on my list is a book called future face by Alex Wagner. The tagline is a family mystery, an epic quest and the secret to belonging. Alex Wagner is a woman of mixed descent. Her father's parents were, or no, her father. Yeah. Her father's ancestors were immigrants to the United States from Ireland and Luxembourg, and her mom was from Rangoon, where she was fleeing the conflicts that were happening in Burma. So she knew that she had this mixed identity. She grew up with this mixed identity. She, in her professional life, she reported on the conflicts that go on along the border. Someone in passing said something about her that makes her question what she knows about her her identity and sends her on a search for who she really is. It says that she goes, you know, she goes to Burma, she goes to Luxembourg, but then she also goes and she investigates records that the Mormons left in colonial times. And she starts grappling with these questions of identity and, you know, what does race really mean? And what does identity really mean? And what does it mean to belong? And she starts looking for a place that she belongs because I think she's unsettled by what she found. And I heard her speak at a random house event. She was on a panel that uh, I think it was some kind of nonfiction panel and she was the memoir. And she talks about her face and how it's basically the face of the future being that she's of such mixed ancestry. And she, you know, she gave a really compelling talk. I ran over, I bought the book and I really want to read it. It kind of reminds me of the Danny Shapiro book. I mean, I have not having read it, but just the whole finding out something about yourself that you didn't necessarily know or had not given any thought to it's being true and what that does to you. I'm not sure. Did you read the seven and a half deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle? I did. I love that book. Okay. So you love this book. I think I picked this up as an arc. It is by Stuart Turton. And it is a, I guess, a th- mystery thriller with a little bit of a twist in that the victim dies at 11 o'clock every night until this guy can solve who's killing her. Every, But every day, every time the day begins again, he wakes up in the body of a different guest at this, wherever it is that they are. So, I mean, you know this way better than I. This kind of bumps up against like the Agatha Christie side of me that I like the mysteries, the kind of more traditional type of mystery. And I don't know, this one sounds kind of interesting. Do you think I would like it? You're just so strongly against unnatural elements that I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But if you're okay with the fact that someone is waking up in the body of someone different going in with that premise, I mean, I don't think it's... I don't think it's one of those things that's super obvious in terms of other two strange things going on. So 
within that world. And once you understand those rules, I think you're fine if you're okay with that. Well, remember that book I read, the YA book called One Day, where the character mm-hmm. oh, yeah. wakes up every day in a different person. I loved that book. So I think there yeah. are there are times when I can get – I'm okay with the, that type of setup. Yeah. You know it going in. And like I said, it's not like it's once you get in there, it's anything that's super crazy. I think once you have accepted that this guest is waking up as a different guest each day and he only has – or they only have seven days to figure out what's going on, mm-hmm. you know, seven, seven and a half deaths, then you're good. You will wonder, I think, where, you know, like what is the construct of the, or what is the nature of, of their existence? I wondered that a lot. Yeah. Like that was, that was part of the mystery too. Like, where are they and what's going on here? But I really love that book. Okay. All right, next. So my next one is Future Home of the Living God by Louise Erdrich. And she is a classic Native American author who over the years you've heard more of. I was first introduced to her in college because I think I was probably in school right about the time that people started Mm. broadening what was taught as American history and whose voices got to be told. And she was one of the first, I guess, that teachers were introducing as of the voice of Native Americans and Native American culture and just dealing with reservations and struggles and joys and just their lives and and all the things that go into that. So she's written this book that's dystopian. It's about the state has become very interested in controlling women's bodies and there is this young this young Indian woman who has been raised by white parents who discovers that she's pregnant. And she is on the run, and I believe she's trying to make it back to her original reservation because she was adopted. I don't know if I just said that, but it's kind of like that. When As I read the description, it, it reminds me a little bit of those dystopian novels that are so like, make you think of The Handmaid's Tale because it's about placing rules around reproduction because of, of some kind of climate change. It says evolution stops. Of course, pregnancy and childbearing is a big deal in the face of that. Really want to read this when it came out. So my next one is a romance and it's Helen Hong's The Kiss, Qu- Kiss Quotient, which has been everywhere. This is the one about the main character has Asperger's. She hires a professional to teach her how to kiss. She has an algorithm that predicts customer purchases. She's decided that she needs to understand more about people. And I don't actually know why it is that she feels like she needs to learn how to kiss, but basically she hires this guy to sort of teach her about normal relationships. And my guess is, of course, is that they're probably going to fall in love. Um, I haven't read it, but I want to read it. And I also want to read her next one, which the bride, the test. bride test. Yeah. Cause people just say they're really, they're light, but they're also fun and compelling. And I just find the the, the little twist that the protagonist has Asperger's is interesting to me. This is on the list. That's probably a pretty quick read too. Next on my list is The Gypsy Moth Summer by Julia Fierro. This came out, I want to say, at least a summer ago, maybe a couple of years ago. And it is about, it is one of those novels where 
someone is returning home. In this case, a woman is returning home to her family with her own family. She's married an African-American man and she has biracial children. And she lives on this this island. It's called Avalon Island and it's off the East Coast. I guess it's a very kind of Tony place with its own culture and reputation. And her family was very much a part of high society in that place. And it says that the residents form fast and maybe dangerous opinions of the new arrivals, meaning her husband and her children. And so it's all about how they start to interact with the community now that they're back. I'm sure it says that there's a a plotting matriarch, her demented husband, gangs of anxious outsiders and vivid young lovers. So Hmm. seems like there's going to be, seems fun. I think I started that book. I loved her first book. What was it called? Not Little Children. What's the name of her first book? I really liked it. Cutting Teeth? Cutting Teeth. That's it. What was that about? I think it was about parenthood. Like, I think it was about a group of families that were all away together. Group who go to a beach house on Long Island for a weekend. Um, That's what Cutting Teeth was about. I really liked that one. And I was excited. Couldn't get into this one? Yeah, I was excited for that one. And I don't remember why. There was something about it that kind of turned me off early on and then I, I never read it. So I'm going to be really intrigued if you do. And maybe I'll give it another try if you really like it. Because I really liked her first one a lot. Yeah. And it sounds like she likes that coming home aspect. This one, Cutting Teeth was such a send up of Brooklyn. <laughs> it's just, it's very, it's very harsh. You know, kind of the, the quirks of parents and parenting, young pa- pa- people with young kids. It's just, it was very funny. So clearly some things that you recognize mm-hmm. and some kind of like feel the burn moments like, ooh. <laughs> well, things I recognize in other people, of course, right? Never in me. Of course. Of course. No, Gail. Right. <laughs> okay, so my last pick is something that I don't know if you've read, but we've talked about on the show. And I gave it to my mother for her birthday and she loved it and gave it back to me. And it is The Only Story by Julian Barnes. You, did you read this or you want to read it? I did read it. Oh, you did read it. I did. And did you like it? I, think, I thought you did. It's not that I didn't like it. Yes, I, I didn't like it. Okay. <laughs> it's not that. I did. I don't. It was interesting. It was just one of those books that was really fascinating but not enjoyable. Mm-hmm. He is someone, I think, who likes to play around with narrative and how he tells stories. Which, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of trust exercise. When you set up something and then you introduce other other aspects of the relationship or you change something, like you let some someone know some part of the story becomes apparent that might change how you think of what comes before it. But it's basically an exploration of this. this he's young at the time. He's young and he's dating someone who is 20 years his senior and he has a relationship with her and her husband. And eventually they, she leaves her marriage and they live together, but he's writing this in hindsight. Like he is much older and established and, and he's looking back on this relationship in his life and how you basically will get a chance to see how it shaped him, which is really interesting, especially with the issues that, she's involved in and and the consequences that they face as a result of, first of all, it being a May-December relationship, second of all, her leaving her husband at, you know, I think it might have been set in the 60s and 70s. So 
interesting book, but you know, I think that he probably is not my cup of tea in terms of his treatment of things. I did read Sense of an Ending and I was left unsatisfied at the end of that one. So I'm not terribly surprised to hear what you're saying, but I don't know. This one just has kind of been in my mind for a while. So, you know, and I read that that was really interesting because I didn't even have that book. Someone had, I was, when I was doing physical therapy, someone had left it in, in the changing room. Oh, interesting. So I picked it up and that's how I, I was just like, Oh, let me just read this. It was, cause it was really short. I could put it back. If someone was looking for it, I was not clear if someone, if it was a, Hey, take this book situation or <laughs> yeah. Right. Or I, or I left karma. this book behind. Or book right. kismet. So. You know? so that's, that's our 10 books that we both have in mind to read. We would like to read them at some point. And when we do, we will report back as the progress for, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll weigh in on our progress on this episode and whether these are eternally damned Out to purgatory, the purgatory of, <laughs> yeah, I want, to, I want to read that, or whether they actually make it up the list. Yeah, I'm glad that this is a show that's going to have that title so that as I'm looking through and we're figuring out our editorial calendar, we can revisit this in like six to nine months and be like, hey. Okay, so we each have a backlist book and then we're going to wind down this short half episode so that we can gear up for episode 100 next week. I will start with my backlist book. All right, so I'll start with my backlist book. I may have mentioned this once or twice on the show, but I don't know if I've given it a a lot of... A thorough... thorough, yes, thorough recommendation. This is by Stuart Onan, and it's called Last Night at the Lobster, which... I don't think you have. Oh, really? Okay. I read it a long time ago, 2008. So it's been over 10 years since I read this book. And it is a book about... And I put this in the category of like kind of working man workplace books. And I really like that genre. And it is about a guy who is the manager at a Red Lobster restaurant in Connecticut. And it's the last night that that restaurant's going to be open because the big company that owns the Red Lobster chain, which I think also owns the Olive Garden and maybe, maybe other ones, has decided to close this restaurant. It's about the people who work at the restaurant, how they depend on their jobs for their livelihoods, how their lives are going to change because their their restaurant is closing. Are they moving to another Red Lobster? Are they moving on to other jobs? The guy who is the main character named Manny is also dealing with like relationship drama. What's going to happen there? And it's it's like only covers a short period of time, like 14 hours of this night which is when he comes into opening it to when the restaurant actually closes. But I like books about everyday jobs. This is one of the things I like a lot about writers like J. Ryan Straddle and other ones who pick people who have jobs that are not usually the subject of contemporary fiction. And this was one of them. I really enjoyed it. I I think I've read some other Stuart Onan. I'm not sure I've liked his other stuff as much as I liked this particular one. But uh, I thought this one was good. It's pretty short. So if that's, you know, sounds interesting, it's not a big commitment to read it. And I just, I really liked it. And that's good for you because you usually shy away from the events happening in comp- in compressed amount of time. I do. God, you know me well. I do not like books <laughs> that can happen in a compressed amount of time. That's true. I find them very the exhausting. One days. Yes. I right. find them exhausting. But this one, I got past that. So my my index is telling me I've read two other books by Stuart Onan. One is called Songs for the Missing, which I believe is a missing kid book. 
And then the other one's called The Odds. And I have no, not even the slightest recollection of what's that about. So I'm actually opening it up to see. The Odds is about gambling, I would take it. Yes. Nice. It's an, uh, a look at an everyday marriage of two middle-aged people over the course of two days. He really likes that compressed timeline thing. And charts the ups and downs of a Cleveland couple on the verge of splitting up. So it's about this couple. They've decided they've lost their jobs. They're having major hard times financially. So they decide to go to Niagara Falls and they're going to bet what little remains of their savings at the casino in a Hail Mary attempt to recoup their losses. I feel like he writes depressing books. He does. That's why I like him. That sounds like so depressing. Yeah. <laughs> I think like it, that's so Gale. <laughs> yeah, it was so depressing. It's it's coming back to me a little bit. And then the other, the songs for the missing book, I think it's about I feel like a missing I've read girl. A Stuart, Stuart O'Neill. Yeah, there's like a there's a few books about a character named Emily, I think, that or he's written a couple books with the same characters in it. Uh, songs for the missing, disappearing high school kid book. Understated, quiet devastation. Of, of the three, I think I liked um, Lobster the best. Last night, the lobster has a great I read cover the too. Odds. That's why I knew what it was about. Oh, says I read well, it. Good memory for you. It says I gave it four stars. Oh. What is your backlist book this week? So my backlist book this week is Perfect Peace by Daniel Black. <clears throat> I said it was a flawed portrait. Like I think there were some things that I didn't love, but I loved it overall. I loved it for the subject matter. It is about a black family in the 1930s in Arkansas. They, it's Gus and Imogene Peace. They've decided to marry, and they, they don't marry for good reasons. They marry because basically they both feel like no one else will have them, so why not? Okay. So they get married. They have a bunch of kids, but they are all boys, and she really wants a girl. So when she... When she's pregnant with her seventh child, it turns out that it is also a boy, but she decides to ignore that and to treat this child as a girl. And she raises this child as a girl until the child is eight years old. And then it comes out and kind of all hell breaks loose. That sounds really good. It was. I really liked, I just felt like the author was handling, you know, he was taking on these really ambitious themes and I think maybe there was a lot of characters in it. I mean, because you're the youngest of seven children, so there's lots of family and different interaction, which I thought maybe I got a little bit lost in it, but ultimately just the treatment, you know, the ideas of what happens. You know, this is 1930s. This is, if you've been told that your identity is a girl, how quickly can you change that, even for your family? When did this book come out? When we were, when... We were not getting a lot of transgender stories at that point. That was what I was wondering is, you know, what... 2010, St. Martin's Press. Yeah, that's why I asked that. I was curious to know if it was before the before this topic was a little more au courant. Yeah. Before it was on trend. It says, it's the heartbreaking portrait of a large rural Southern family's attempt to grapple with their mother's desperate decision to make her newborn son into the daughter she will never have. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, definitely worth a read. There you have two backlist books, 10 (laughs) backlist, but hopefully on the list books. 10 backlist books that we're hoping that you will tell us about. So if you've read any of the 10 books that we've mentioned, please hop on our Facebook page, DM me on Instagram or Gail, Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
or write a comment somewhere and let us know which of these books, if any, yeah. that we, we need to like get on the ball and read because we're missing out. And we'll read those comments on the next show so that uh, other people can hear what readerly readers think of these books and then that might help just make them decide whether they want to put it on their list or not. So don't leave us hanging. Yeah. Tell us what we need to read of these books. Yes. Which one do you think that you're most likely to read first? If you were to read uh, probably out of your five, like what would you just bump up to the top? Probably the ensemble. The ensemble. Yeah. I wanted to read that. <laughs> Stop adding yeah. to my list. How about you? Which is, which is the one you would read first? I don't, I'm torn between Future Face and Cartwheel. I'm on a true crime kick. Oh my God. I've listened to so many true crime podcasts. So please DM me if you have suggestions. Yeah, because I'm on a big, big true con- true crime, and then and that one's sort of you know fictional true crime. Next week we're gonna talk about our hundredth episode. We have some surprises and some stuff planned, but I won't get into that till later. And also next week we'll announce the winner of the JoJo Moyes book. So you still have time to comment on the Instagram page. I purposely did not tag it so that only our listeners will know that it's there. Yes. <laughs> I didn't open it up to the algorithm. So, yeah, if you want to win. Giver of Stars. Win the Giver of Stars and her other backlist book, be sure to check that out or comment on the Facebook group. Until next time, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at NicoleBonia.com and me, Gail, at EverydayIWriteTheBookBlog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks.